drinking cold brew and eating cauliflower were starting to trend. Starbucks made the very first pink drink. Strawberries were $2.44 per 12-ounce containers, and a 30-second Super Bowl ad was worth $5 million. And vintage fit denim was popular, whatever that means. That is correct. The year was 2016. Howdy. I'm your host, Josephine Luddington. Welcome back to Popped Culture. Yes, the name did change. You're not going crazy. Or maybe you are, but this is not an example of it. Reel It Back is already a podcast that is very popular, and so I've taken a new name. This is the podcast where we, and when I say we, I do mean I, look into how specific movies fit into cinematic history and what was going on around their publication date in U.S. history. This week's movie is The Neon Demon. I've been so excited to do this movie. It came out when I was ending 7th grade, starting 8th grade, but I didn't watch it until my freshman year of high school, and I watched it during an off day, and I might have had a fever when I watched it, which really adds into the whole kind of trippiness of the movie. I didn't like the movie when I first watched it because I was so, like, it just took me a while to think about it, just think it through. There's a lot going on in this movie. It's got all the types of horror. It's got some cannibalism, some bathing in blood, some, like, mountain lions in people's bedrooms. Like, everything means something else. And so it, it took me a really long time to appreciate this movie. I also think I watched it a little bit too early. This movie is a horror movie about beauty, about girl beauty, which is like, yay, because I'm a girl, and that's something I deal with, yay, so that's pretty cool. It was made by a man, and I'll go into really what he's all about later. So this movie had Elle Fanning in it, who plays the main character, Jess, and she was in Cinderella. Well, she was in she, whoo, she was Cinderella in Maleficent. Then we got La, Abby Lee, and she played Sarah in the movie, and she's a model, but has been in a lot of other movies and TV shows. There was Jenna Malone who played Ruby, and she was in Donnie Darko. Keanu Reeves played Hank, and ah, he's been in everything. Bella Heathcote played Gigi, and she has also been in a whole lot of things. Christina Hendricks played Jan. She's in Mad Men. And Desmond Harrington played Jack. And he was in a lot of Dexter, apparently. I have not seen that movie, or that TV show. And Nicholas Ruffin, Ruffin, he directed it and wrote it. And this is the first movie he made about a girl, like a, the girl experience. A lot of his movies are criticized for being too macho, but he says that's not true. So, let's talk about the actual movie. So, this movie follows Jess. She's a 16-year-old. Her parents die. She's a virgin, which is important to the story. She moves to LA, which is now where I personally would go in a time like that, but whew, she moves to LA to become a model because, as she says, she can't sing. She can't dance. There's not much like going on for her, but she is beautiful. So she moves to LA to become a model. And she meets 
uh, the character Ruby, who is a makeup designer, and Keanu Reeves plays her... Uh, he, like, owns the motel she's staying at, and he is crazy creepy. Well, everyone in this movie is crazy creepy. She meets a whole lot of other models. She pretty much figures out that, like, yeah, she's, like, got it. She's very, very beautiful, and people just want to be around her. And she does really well. But it's a horror movie, so, you know, things things happen that are bad. But there's a whole lot of symbolism in this movie, which I find really cool. So on the cover, there's a triangle. And there's just so much that has to do in threes with this movie. So the three primary colors in this movie are blues, golds, and reds. And they signify um, Jess's change over the course of the movie in, like, just epic ways. I think, because there's just, ah, there's three colors. It's so cool. Um, we've got evils of the industry, evils of humans, and evils of the environment, which Jess is always dealing with, those three evils. There are three types of beauty in the movie. There is Elle Fanning's, where she's young and beautiful. We've got, um, the character Sarah, who is getting older, and so she's being considered less beautiful. And we've also got the character Gigi, and she has all of this um, work done on her face and her body. And so she's quote-unquote like fake beauty. And they talk a lot about the fact that Elle Fanning's beauty is the only kind of real type of beauty, which is so messed up because everyone's beautiful. But that's not what they say in the industry or really a lot of life. Um, there's a lot... Oh, I'm not done with my threes. Just kidding. Okay, so there's three girls who are, like, so there's Elle Fanning, and then there's everyone who's trying to, like, get her. And so there's the two models who I just talked about, and then there's Ruby, the makeup artist. So that's three more. There's also, of the guys, there's a guy she's kind of dating, um, a guy who is judging her beauty for the industry, and a guy who is judging her beauty for photography, and so that's the three judgments of beauty from men. There aren't, it doesn't focus on men's perception of beauty as much. The director actually said that the, the men in this movie play the part of the girlfriend in many other movies, which I think is an interesting take. Not exactly sure what that means, but that's cool. So there's a lot of threes. I read a Buckwild idea about this movie that said that this movie was in fact about witches and that the triangle and all the threes in this movie was actually about Lucifer, like the devil, and that there was a lot of demon symbology. And like, it's called the neon demon, but so he was like, it's the actual devil. And he said that one of the characters was over a hundred years old and that like the movie was a ritual. And I think that is such like 30 year old man like bs like come on now bro like look at this movie for what it is it's a metaphor and how things are beautiful let's not get wild here but there is a whole lot of kind of ritualistic things which makes sense because beauty is very ritualistic in the way that people get ready and the way that people have to look to be i don't know the type of beauty that the world is looking for so i think he's he's kind of getting into something there but like also not at all 
There's a lot of cool things, like all the models, there's a scene where all the models and are together, and they all talk in a way less realistic fashion, and it seems really fake, which is fun, because it's saying, like, the model industry is fake, which is, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff like that, which is, if you, like, watch really carefully, you can see it, and the colors are, like, amazing and they're so vibrant and it's really interesting that the director is completely colorblind so there's just so much cool stuff also the movie is really good and slow it's not it's not one of those fast-paced movies that is gonna have you like screaming for me it was like really hard to look away because it's got that LA kind of beautiful where everything's like modern art and super clean and like also kind of like dirty <laughs> Um, it's a very beautiful movie. It's a very bright movie, vibrant movie, and this the sound editing is really, really cool. So it's an enjoyable movie to watch, and the the visuals really, really stuck with me. I remember this movie more than I remember movies that I watched this week. I'm not gonna lie. It, I, I think that it has a lot of merit. So, let's talk about what was going on in 2016. So, this movie was made with a $7 million budget, and it grossed a tiny bit over $3 million. So, it did not do great, which is sad, because I think it really plays into what was going on in the time. Another movie that came out that a lot of people say is like this, just kind of because it's disturbing and because it's social commentary, was Raw. This also came out in 2016. It had a $3.8 million um, budget, and the and it grossed $3.3 million. So that didn't do well either. I became very fascinated in what was going on with horror at this time. So other movies that came out in 2016 were Unfriended, which... I talked about in the last bonus episode, I hated it, Terrifier, the one with the clown, A Cure for Wellness, Don't Breathe, and Hush. And when you look up movies from 2016, I found it, st I, I just, buckwild. The movies all have like almost the, <laughs> the same cover and they're all really disturbing. None of them are like, I'm gonna slash you up with a knife. They're all like way deeper than that, which I find very, I find it a strange move. I know movies are made before they actually come out. I feel like I would have put some of these movies on hold. I feel like they would have done a lot better two years later. So A Cure for Wellness, which I know I thought was like crazy popular because everyone was watching it in the school, in my school, it had a $40 million budget and it only made $8 million in the US. So horror just was was not thinking straight because things were really disturbing in the time, like with the presidential election and stuff, and they made the movies disturbing too, it shouldn't make any sense. So then I started thinking about it, I was like, well, what was going on in 2015? So 2015 had The Witch, Poltergeist remake, remake not remix, well, kind of, but uh, Crimson Peak, The Invitation, which I would highly recommend, Krampus, and The Final Girls. So that was like a pretty stellar year. And then 2016 like bombed and then 2017 came around and it really picked things back up because it chapter one came out bye bye man which people talk about although isn't good tons of horror comedy which i think they kind of learned their lesson from 2016 because 
who the heck wanted to see a crazy, disturbing movie? So tons of horror comedy came out in 2017. Happy Death Day came out in 2017. Get Out and The Ritual came out in 2017. So then I started thinking, like, what was popular in 2016? Because I didn't really remember. And so I looked it up, and Captain America Civil War was the number one movie, which is interesting, just because, like, Captain America, very, like, American, and because America was really struggling that year, I would say. It's, it's nice that people were really watching that movie. Finding Dorothy was the number two movie. Zootopia was three. The Jungle Book was four. The Secret Life of Pets was five. Like, they're all children's movies, <laughs> which totally makes sense because everything was super scary. And so why would you want to see another super, like, realistic psychological thriller when you could be watching just not a psychological thriller? Okay, so now I shall talk about the director and kind of his take on it. So going into this movie, I, like, watching it for the first time, I definitely was like, the director is going to be, like, a pretentious ass because the movie has so much, so many, like, inner meanings and, like, not that many people watched it. So I was like, he's going to be horrible. And then I started watching all of these people talking about what they thought the movie meant. And they would take clips from um, the director that made him look, like, crazy creepy and crazy not okay. And so I watched, like, the entire interview, a couple of them, and he is a lot better than I thought he would be, saying, like, the type of movies he makes. He's a little creepy, but, like, I feel like most directors are, um, but yeah, he's not, he's not pretentious, which made me like the movie a lot more. He went into this whole, like, tangent about how he's an entertainer. Which is good that, like, I think that's cool that he said that because I feel like a lot of filmmakers are like, I'm an artist. And he's like, I'm an entertainer. I'm here to give you something to watch and give you something to think about. And he, he says how much he wants reactions because he's like, there's no good and bad. There's only emotions of things. Which, watching this movie, I really see, like, that he thinks that because, like, it's, it's I got very visceral reactions from how wild the the look of the movie was. When he was younger, he wanted to be the best filmmaker, and then he realized, like, mm, that's not really going to work out, and so then he became, he, he decided he wanted to become the best filmmaker of the films he makes, which I think is just so nice. That's so nice. Like, yeah, like, rock your world, sir. Um, This movie is dedicated to his wife. He said he woke up one morning, and he looked over to his wife, and he was like, huh, I'm not beautiful, and you are beautiful. I guess I'll make a horror movie about that, which I think is super cool. And he he said that he makes all of his movies like that, where he'll be like, huh, I'm driving in a car, and I've got music playing, and it's very cathartic. How about I make a horror movie about that, which I think is pretty cool. He does not storyboard. When he writes a script, it like changes completely because he films in chronological order, which is so buck wild. So every morning, the people in the scene who are going to be in the scene come in. He says there, he talks it through. So Abby Lee, who is the model and she's in the movie, she got to talk to him a lot about what it's actually like to be in the modeling industry. And then he changed the script for her. So since they didn't chronological chronological order, so many things changed and every day they really had no idea what they were going to be filming and he didn't either so he he was really stressed about that every day but he said that's the only great way to make a movie 
Apparently he's got this power blanket because during his first movie he got really nauseous every morning and he would feel like he was gonna throw up. And so he called his mom and he was like, mom, what do I do? And she was like, oh, put something warm on your stomach. So he started wrapping a blanket around his stomach, which like has become kind of a thing for his, I don't know, like persona, I guess. And after every movie, he gives that blanket to one person who worked on the movie. So in the movie prior to the Neon Demon that he did, Ryan Gosling got it. I just think that's like so cool. Anyway, so he makes these movies in a really like weird, in my opinion, weird way. He had a box, a suggestion box for the Neon Demon. And he would let anyone put it in who was in the crew. And so that's that's a big influence on how this movie was made was the crew putting things in the box. And the reason he did it was because he couldn't pay them because he didn't have that big of a budget. So he couldn't pay them. So he was like, you get to influence the movie and that's kind of like what I'm giving you. When Elle Fanning was like walked up into his house to audition he asked her if she was beautiful and they talk a lot about like how it's such a like tough question because it's the whole like are you self-loving or are you narcissistic are you like it's it's the it's the scale just like the the slut shaming scale are you a prude or are you a slut it's it's so tough and they talk about that He's very into making the people in his films think about things. Apparently, Abby Lee would walk up to him and be like, yo, like, what do you think? Well, I pro- she probably didn't say yo, because she seems like a classy lady. But she would ask him, like, what, what, what is my character feeling here? And he would say, well, what do you think? And so she'd have to think about that. And I, ooh, I don't appreciate that when people say that to me, but that's cool that they all really liked it in the film. So, awesome. Let's see, what else? He says that beauty is becoming a class system, which really scares him. He has two daughters, and he's terrified about that. He also is just really freaked out about the way that narcissism is going, because right now narcissism is a sort of good thing to have. He talked a little bit about social media and how that plays into it, and I think that is a perfect segue into my interview today because social media was what was going on in 2016 and today the person that I will be interviewing is well myself because I am a girl and I was a teenager and I am a teenager so I definitely I think I know I think I know about this so I was in middle school I was in the end of my middle school year when this movie came out and so social media was like really really buck wild and all over the place and if you look at the statistics like today about what was going on there it because of the social media increase a lot of teenage girls um self-harmed and killed themselves and like the increase of that trend in teenage girls because of social media is so much higher like catastrophically higher so i I think it was really on point that he made this movie when he did because he couldn't have like predicted that you know unless he was really into like statistics about that I guess also the presidential um election was happening with Trump and so everybody was really really freaked out about that and so they were scared about that and that came out in different ways like the clown um, there was another clown panic in 2016 that made just I know everyone in Evanston just like really 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 scared 
and people were freaking out. So it totally makes sense that like not that many people like went to see horror movies during this time because people were so freaked about everything. So yeah, social media was rising. Presidential election was scaring everyone and people were making other things to be scared of that didn't really matter, which I guess is all all time because people are terrified about things during COVID that really don't matter. But I feel like there's a lot more to be afraid of that does matter right now. Okay, so would I recommend this movie? Yes. Would I recommend this movie when you're a freshman in high school? Nah, I would say wait a tad and don't watch it when you have a fever. But this is a great movie on what's going on about beauty. And I think it is still very prevalent. Mm, that's not the right word, but what else? Okay, so movie recommendations. I would recommend this movie. But if you're like, oh no, oh no, no. If you said no and you're looking for another spooky ooky movie, I would I would recommend Midsummer because it's another one of those movies that's beautiful but is very disturbing. Also deals with what's going on in the world of America. So I would recommend that one. If you're if you heard this and you were like, nah, not gonna happen, and you want a palate cleanser, I would say Friday Night Frights. It's a great Monster High movie. And I don't know why, but when I was making this podcast and researching everything, I just could not get that movie out of my mind. I just kept thinking about it and being like, huh, does this like deal with some of the same things that the Neon Demon does? And I'm not sure, but maybe you could help me out in figuring that out if you watch it. So those are two. Uh, I, oof, I, yeah, that's, that's what I'd say to watch, so, yeah, I, thank you, thank you for joining me today as I talked about the Neon Demon. I hope you enjoyed, and I hope you stay safe and have a good week. And, uh, sorry, one more thing. This is the end of the horror movies because it's November now, so it's time to get into some more snowy movies. So, yeah, have a good week.